Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We are your hosts, Karan and Kristen. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today on our podcast, we are talking with Jamie Suss. Jamie is a hypnotherapist and story work coach. He is the founder of Conscious Toolbox, where he guides people to tap into their inner resources. He also helps people become their own guru. Jamie's pirate pirate rebellion revolves around radical self-reliance and responsibility. So welcome, Jamie. We're excited to have you on our podcast today. Yeah, thanks. It's It's a real pleasure to be here. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited to learn more about you. So we'd love to hear about, well, weave us a tale about your pirate journey and how you became more pirate. Well, uh, I've been more pirate longer than I had thought of when I first uh, encountered the Be More Pirate stuff as far as living life by my own choice, my own way. Um, Over the past 25 years, I've traveled to more than 40 different countries. I speak multiple languages and um, living and working in other cultures had really opened up my perspective to making your own way, being, being more pirate in that way. So I have definitely creatively meandered over the past few years as far as travels. And in my travels, I've noticed that there's a, with being multi multilingual, seeing how pirate living can be and then also seeing how we other the other side of things with uh regardless of where we come from we most all have the same problems and how to overcome them so this is where i dove into hypnotherapy so something i'd like to talk about today is dispelling some myths around hypnotherapy and what that means for us as far as living more pirate so um I love the outdoors to the point where I worked in ski and golf and whitewater rafting tourism for some years. And there was a point where I needed to learn more. And so I decided to go to travel and I started teaching English in Peru. I was there for about two years. And it, it, I definitely felt more inspired to, to live based off my own rules. So I had to decide what were my own rules. <laughs> and uh, that took some time to question challenge, analyze, and come to my own conclusions of my upbringing, my programming, where I came from, society, and then what it looks like from a different culture, because I could reflect easier on my own. And so some of the beauty of, of being in an international culture is having that reflection, <laughs> you know, being able to reflect more on, on those, those aspects of who we are, what makes us up. Well, so you got to write your your own pirate code. Yeah, recently, but with uh, inspired action from what we've been working with in the uh, Inlifted Coaches community. So um, I learned through the opposite way. I learned by doing and didn't know what I was writing at the first uh, instinct, you know, and mm-hmm. acknowledging the that I what I didn't know then, but that I do know now. Yeah, that's really cool. So what... 
What exactly does it mean to you to be a pirate? I think you got a little bit into it, but what does it mean for you to like live by your own rules and, and rewrite your own code as it were? Well, at it, it first, uh, exactly. First question, anything, everything, come to my own conclusions about it, right? So I need to find the information so I can have the levels of understanding that comes with it. And then acting upon that. Um, for, for me, that had to do with uh, my role in the world and how I, how I interact in the world, what, what role I play. Um, and in creating that, I decided that I wanted to have fun, right? So that's why I went to the outdoor tourism life. I wanted to have fun. Mm. Common theme on so far on the <laughs> Pirate Living podcast, mm -hmm. creating a life of fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm really interested in like, uh, what are the different, uh, where are the, some of the different places that you've lived and, and what cultures have really inspired you? That's a, that's a good question. So I first started off as an exchange student in Germany. And there's a lot to appreciate about German culture. Um, timeliness, cleanliness, there's a lot more that's uh, spoken about as far as cultural norms. Um, the, everyone's very straightforward and direct, right? Versus our culture, we tend to beat around the bush and use innuendos or double, double entendres in order to convey our meaning. They're German, there is the sense of humor was gone <laughs> by comparison, but they were very much more direct. The culture that has, you know, that I come back to again is Latino culture. So Latin America, um, and I have been through almost all the countries down there. And Peruvian is by far Peruvian, Ecuador, Colombian. That's where I spent the most of my time. And the food is, is ridiculous. The people are so uh, giving. They're so generous with what they have. Even if there's very little, they have something to share. That's how they look at it. And there's, there's a, a certain way of being. Uh, it's hard to describe where there's a level of understanding that it takes the time it takes. So why are we getting upset for traffic? Or why are we getting upset for things that waiting in line? Things that, that we do all the time. Now, in Colombia, Colombia was a very different space for me. Um, I was, the first time I went to Colombia, I went there to work in a program called Sueños Compartidos, which is a volunteer teacher program. So I was teaching other English teachers, there were Colombian English teachers, how to improve their classes, activities, games, methodology, pedagogy, ways of interacting with their students. And the area that I was in is a demilitarized zone. So it was one of the first, first uh, demilitarized zones. So it was a uh, in Colombian they would say it's spicy. <laughs> you know, so I had a very interesting experience because it was off the beaten path. No tourists went there, uh, especially gringos. So it was a and, and my level of Spanish was only intermediate at that point. So it, it was definitely a beautiful experience because I got to see real life. I mean, real real life, visceral real life where in a war-torn area, um, the family and friends who I got to know, they own a shop where they basically would celebrate birthdays. So many kids had lost parents that they would celebrate birthdays, so they threw birthday parties. Hmm. And that became a community organization that was built out of that. And so in, in Colombia, I had definitely had the most life-enriching experience 
Mm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to, so you had talked about pirate code, like you have your pirate code and you figured it out by living it and then creating it. What, what would you say your pirate code is that you live by? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Prepared. You Written asked. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it ha- helps to, you know, it helps me to write it down, to get it out of my head and out of the paper. Then also I could see it. Mm-hmm. I put it in a place where I can see it as well, or I make it little little post-its. Yeah. So um, one of my my first aspects of the pirate code is, is reminding myself, am I dreaming? Is this all the dream? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that's where I began with it, is to remind myself it's a game, it's a dream. And I choose my role as far as how I play in the dream. Mm. And then uh, to embrace change, since change is the only constant. Mm. Mm. Um, but and do that by leaning into the discomfort. So like that's where the growth happens. Once I once I figured out how to leave my comfort zone, what my comfort zone actually was, and then once I left it, found that change was the only constant. Mm. So that's the one thing I can definitely depend on. Mm-hmm. Hmm, let's see. I create, establish, and optimize an architect mentality. I like that. Can you explain mm-hmm. that? So, yeah, sure. Um, the architect mentality is an empowered mentality, right? So using, using my words that create different images in my mind so that my behavior is an embodiment of actually who I think, feel, and act as I am, mm-hmm. right? So the architect mentality refers to um, as far as vocabulary, maintaining a higher mental attitude, acknowledging what is versus what didn't happen or what should have happened, but didn't, or didn't happen, but should have, right? So the architect mentality for me is life engineering, right? So it's, I create the plan and with inside the plan, I can flourish. Mm-hmm. So like when we talk about with the pirate code, such as uh, the map and the compass, mm-hmm. right? And then so pirate code being the legend at the top corner of the map, and then we have our compass, like how we guide ourselves across the map, and then we are the map makers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Make that, our own plan. that was one of the things that really struck me in the uh, how to be more pirate was was really about getting rid of that map and using the compass and using your your own like you said creating your own maps which is really powerful when we're looking into of our own lives and creating our own lives so i love that you brought that up and tied that in with um with with that you know creating the maps and and using that compass as a guide that i find that really powerful yeah i agree in order to get to the edges of the map too yes. so Another part of my pirate code has to do with understanding that I am both a work in progress and also a masterpiece mm-hmm. because it's taken quite a lot of work and lots of blood, sweat, tears in order to get to this point. Yet at the same time, I am teachable. I can learn, I can change, I can grow. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, back to the, the, the edges of the map. While you're talking about that, that reminded me of like the map back in the days of the pirates too, when they articulate like draw the maps and they had those borders that they didn't know like there'd be little designs being there there are dragons there and instead of that holding them back that was something to encourage them to go forward and keep forging into that path so yeah that was a cool reminder as well 
yeah, so you, this, this path is for the brave, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And you mentioned um, hypnotherapy earlier. Um, so tell us more about that. That's something mm-hmm. that I am completely ignorant to, and I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. There's there's a lot to it. First, I'd, I'd like to start with uh, dispelling some common myths around it, because mm-hmm. most often we are mainly familiar with the hypnotist comedian on stage where someone's dancing with the broom who thinks it's the most beautiful woman on earth, right? And And so we see this different aspect. Well, all those people, they are in agreement. They want to be on stage. They want to be laughing with everyone else. And so what we're, what we're given there is from the hypnotist comedian is we're only seeing one side of things. Now, hypnosis from, I'll take it from the grammatical point of view. So if we break it down to the etymology, it's two Greek words, hypno or hypo and gnosis. Hypo below, like a hypodermic needle. And then gnosis meaning knowledge. So what it literally means is going into the level below the level of knowledge. Now, hypnosis in and of itself is a naturally altered state of mind that the body goes into twice a day when falling asleep and when waking up in the morning. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Other times you can stretch out the state of mind. Now, what we're doing in hypnotherapy in a, in a therapeutic setting, coaching these types of things, is we are establishing a belief, either overcoming one or the new one that we want to work with. So we're exciting the imagination. And in exciting the imagination, we're fueling it with the emotion. And that emotion creates the expectation because what we expect has a high tendency to occur. And then from that expectation, there's a redirection in order to allow the analytical mind to become the observer. And through that, we're able to bypass it and allow the rest of the mind to work. Now, to explain this a little bit further, there's an old analogy, a parable of the elephant, the writer, the path. Are you familiar with this one? No, maybe. Okay. So this is one that's been told by Plato, Buddha, Jesus, and it's to explain how the mind, body, and environment work together. Hmm. So our conscious mind is the writer. It's about 5% of our thinking capacity. Now the elephant is about, is our subconscious mind. It's about 95% of our thinking capacity. So the first time I traveled to Asia, I had the opportunity to ride an elephant and knowing what I know now, I would have done something different, but seeing what what they did is that in order to train a baby elephant, they use a giant chain and this baby elephant has a shackle, a giant chain. It's really heavy. They can't move it and creates this belief that I can't break the chain. So then there was this adult elephant and they would use a flimsy rope to keep it tied up. The adult elephant can completely break the rope and break free, but the self-limiting belief of I can't break the chain reinforced over time Mm. allows that negative self-limiting belief to run the program. So when it comes to retraining the mind, we look at where are our limitations? Because when the rider on top of the elephant, if there's something that the elephant doesn't want to do, there's no amount of willpower that the rider can do to make the elephant move. So the path comes in here because we, uh, we encounter different terrain, different obstacles, right? 
And so it's up to us in order to, to better learn how our mind works, to understand our environment, and then how we can adjust our path to the environment. And by doing that is we have to train the writer. Mm. We have to teach ourselves how to think, right? Rather than simply what to think, how to use the thinking mind that comes with the feeling body. And then we also have to motivate the elephant, right? The elephant is that, that last part of the workout that says I'm done when we know we've got 10% more, right? It's that part that's, that's in the comfort zone. It's trained by habits, memories, it makes associations. It's the storytelling network that we tap into. So what we do in a session of hypnotherapy is we are able to tap into that part of the mind. When we use the state, the term hypnotherapy and trance, trance is actually a misnomer, I would say, because it's not like you're out, unconscious, don't remember anything. You're actually more aware, you're more focused, and you're more in tune with what's going on, except the thinking mind, which we are in right now, the beta brain, beta brain wavelength, is lessened we're in the alpha or theta brain wavelengths which is more of the dream state right so if that's it's similar to that state of mind where your head's on the pillow you're not quite asleep you're not quite awake and we stretch out that state of mind if you're familiar with yoga nidra it's a great practice of doing that as well in the hypnotherapy setting we're applying the meditative mind to itself to find remedy, resolve, resolution. And what kind of things are you working through with people with using hypnotherapy? Be surprised. Someone comes with one symptom and it turns out it's something completely else. So I'll share something that happened with a recent recent client where the client came to me for skin issues. She had eczema, bad eczema. So different parts of her body uh, were, were worse than others, but generally she had had eczema for years, become chronic, and she'd done everything. She'd done all different types of oils or, or lotions or scrubs. She changed her diet in different ways. She had, had done everything. And when we sat down and, and we got into the heart of the matter, it came out that there was a point in time where she wished she had said no, but didn't. Her body hears that she wanted to reject something, a situation in life that had happened, but she didn't. And so the body says, well, I'm gonna help you with that. So I'm gonna create an issue with your skin so that you show to others that you mean no. Mm. And this was about three months ago and about two weeks ago I got a message from her saying that skins cleared up things things were different because of how she knows what she knows now and is able to look at what was going on so to take one step backwards generally these things happen in our life because of a major life event trauma loss loss of a friend loss of a loved one um, job loss bad breakup or a heightened emotional event that the brain remembers. 
and an initial sensitizing event can have effects later on. As we know through story work, that it's not the event in and of itself, it's the story we make up about the event. And then edit and fuel it with emotion over time, it can really exacerbate to the point where what the thinking mind thinks, the feeling body feels. So if I think I, I feel sick, the body says I am sick because the body feels, right? Thoughts of the language of the mind, feelings of the language of the body. So we're able to create a conversation between them to understand, all right, body, what's really going on with you? And then how did my mind assist in creating? Mm-hmm. And so what is, um, what, how does uh, hypnotherapy then make that, make the change? Like what is the, I don't know, what is the magic behind it? Beautiful. And I'm glad you said magic because it's not a magic pill. Yeah. It's, it's different in that way. It's, this has to do with the client coming to their own conclusions to do this for themselves, right? Because it was a habit or repeated actions that made it in the past, a thought being a repeated action. And so it's becoming more and more aware of it. So, for example, I had a client, one of my first clients was to quit smoking. The client came to me, she had been a 30-year smoker, wanted to quit smoking. And what it came down to was, was bringing their awareness, their attention to what it was that they were trying to avoid and failing and the choices that went along with it. So becoming more and more curious about the action. So with this client, it became more curious about each time that they had the urge, each time they denied themselves the urge, indulged in the urge, how they indulged in the urge. So getting more and more curious about it to the point where your awareness brings you to a point where you can make a choice. You have your stimuli and your response. And you're bringing yourself to awareness where the same stimuli can create a different response. As in, we can choose a different response. So in this case, with the client being able to choose a different response, they become more empowered and enabled to find these things for themselves rather than giving their external power to the healer in this case because that's it's quite unfair to expect that you are responsible for my healing mm-hmm. why won't you give me my healing give mm-hmm. it to me i want it now and and we have this this instant gratification on demand uh mentality with with healing these days when the reality is that I created this situation for myself to learn from. It's going to take time and process and effort to discover how I can bring myself out of it. And that's where coaches and therapists are great guides. And that brings Mm -hmm. me around to like the, in Be More Pirate, they talk about, there's no one coming to save you. Like you, there's no rescuer on their way to get you and rescue you and get you out of what your life is looking like at this point. And with that being, you are your savior. You are your rescuer. So yeah, coaches are guides. Therapists are guides. Um, However, we're not on the way to rescue you from this thing. You need to do the work. Exactly. 
when I was a whitewater raft guide, that was that was the first rule: is self rescue is the best rescue. Mm. I like that. We had we had to prove it at different points where we had to jump out of the boat, swim underneath of it, and get back on the other side mm. while while in the river. So that you had to prove it. And and you're right, self rescue is the best rescue because the the idea of take our power back, very prominent idea right now. It is still from my perspective, rooted in a lack mentality. I want something that means if I want it, it means I, I don't have it because I don't have it, I want it. There's the envy, the jealousy that comes with that other side, but also to take someone's power back, if we're coming from the, the Buddhist or the yogic philosophies is violent of itself because in order to take that, I have to take it from someone else. So what we're doing in our process is we're bringing the realizations that we are regaining and retaining, re-empowering ourselves, realizing that I gave it away. Okay, because I gave it away to a substance or to an action or a habit for so long, I can also choose a different path. Mm -hmm. So when we look at um, pirates, and the whole thing about pirates is about social rebellion and making change. Um, what is your social rebellion that you've started or you're looking to start? And I think you've, you've touched on this, but what is that change that you're looking to make? Well, to, to help others in, in waking up this whole process of becoming more aware of ourselves and who we are and that we are more than, than the roles, titles, names, and jobs that we have. To what I'm here to do is, is I'm here to provide more tools for your conscious awakening. That's the whole point of the conscious toolbox, mm -hmm. right? We, we tap into words, body, and breath. There's so many more and other ones that are more quite interesting that are happening right now. That it's a way of sharing these different ways for people to, to help themselves in the whole process, right? And the things that I share are things that I, I do and I practice, right? So I, I work to embody exactly what it is that I share versus give advice where of something that I've never done myself. Totally. Just unfair. Hmm. Yeah, you've got to live into it and be the the example rather than the, the lecturer, <laughs> if you would. What, you don't want to do do what I do or do what I say, not what I do? That doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. And you had mentioned that on, on one of your Facebook lives mm -hmm. the other day, Kristen, mm -hmm. and where it's it's, especially as being role models for other parents and kids, other other uh, groups within the world is that we hear everything, we see everything. And even if it doesn't register in the conscious mind, it definitely registers in the subconscious mind. So when we're with our kids, um, nieces, nephews, family, however, mm -hmm. right, that we are aware of how we talk with them versus how we talk with adults. And notice, notice that there's a change, if there is a change in your tone of voice, the way you speak. And so how do you tie in uh, the story work with what you do with hypnotherapy? It's beautiful that you mentioned that, right? So realizing that in the movie theater of the mind, what we're doing is we're making mind movies. Quite often there's a title, right? And then there's a highly activated emotional event that we remember. And this is how the memory does work. It takes a snapshot of a highly uh, high upregulated emotional state in order for us to remember that in the next time. 
so when we do this with story work, I either do something before we go into trance so that they're able to, just like a movie trailer, create a different ending. Because you don't know the ending in the movie trailers in the theaters, right? So that's, that's one way that I work it, where I'm able to already have their mind, their belief system has been activated, they have an expectation that they've also created. Now I'm exciting the imagination and bringing into a space where they create that life mentally. They can create the feelings within their body so that they know what success is like in the future because they've already felt it. Yeah, that living living the future now um, reminds me a little of Joe Dispenza as well. Like when you can embody that future feeling in the present, you're creating the future. So would you say that's largely what you're doing with exactly. that? Okay. Exactly. And, that, and that's for when working for the, for the future side, right? Mm -hmm. Creating the event before we even enter the event so that you're creatively designing the outcomes that you would choose. When the unexpected happens, right? That's where coming back to self-trust, confidence, that I can respond rather than react in the situation as it changes. And it's, it's interesting, the more I practiced this with myself, the more it became real. The more I was able to focus my mind on things that I did want to happen versus what I was looking to avoid, you know, that whole hoping for the best while planning for the worst, um, I, I broke free of that, that paradigm because within that we get both at the same time. <laughs> mixed results at least mm -hmm. and what is your what is your ideal community that you work with like who are you who are you working with so i i work with people in the yoga community that's where i come from is yoga and meditation so i work with people in that community who have a, a, a general understanding of the mind-body connection and looking to deepen deepen that in different ways very cool mm -hmm. um with your social rebellion, like the first part of that is taking small, bold actions to get there. Like part of writing that pirate code and then taking those steps is starting off with a small, bold action. So what, what actions have you taken to get you where you are today? And what are you looking forward to as well? Interesting. The main small bullet action I'm taking right now, as far as my day-to-day -day life, is maintaining a daily routine, a daily practice. Um, so for, for me, when I go without it, I notice it, right? So taking care of my mind and my body first before I enter into my workspace or into the outside world. So if I need to make extra time, I make extra time. Regarding the other aspects of other small bold actions that are happening, it has to do with uh, other things that I'm projects I'm collaborating with, right? So we've been writing and working with different ways of teaching mindfulness, making mindfulness fun, right? Because quite often it, it, uh, the word itself, make, it already fills my mind. It tells me my mind needs to be full, right? So how can we make it more fun and engaging? And so that's what I've been working with is writing curriculum in order to make that happen so that I can teach it. And now I'm in the, in the process of teaching it. Mm -hmm. And oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, are you still are you teaching it to um, mm. the yoga community? Is that the community you're you're teaching to as well? Now, before I became a yoga teacher, I was a classroom English as a second language teacher. Mm. Right? So that was what brought me to Columbia. Was I had done it for five years before that. So 
I, I am open to various communities rather versus uh, only honing in on one. So yes, this is something that is taught within the yoga community. This is also something that I work with in rehabilitation addiction centers and also with kids because I work with teens. And yeah, that's one thing that Jamie and I have been working our pirate ways on is also um, figuring out how to make that curriculum work for the school systems and how we can get that into schools. And Jamie's worked really hard at creating an amazing curriculum for that as well, something that's exciting to get mindfulness into schools in the future. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Are you guys collaborating on that that I didn't know about? Uh, you have, do you have other friends, Kristen? I, I do. Have. <laughs> yeah. So this, there's this fun little group within the overall and lifted community of teachers and educators, um, past, past, present, future educators, people that want to get um, this work to the kids. And Jamie's a part of that group. And yeah, we have fun talking about ways that we can bring this in and like make the pill um, something that they'll take. <laughs> so how do we make this fun? Yeah. How do we make mindfulness fun? How do we make language enjoyable? And that's been a fun conversation to have. Super cool. Mm -hmm. um, so Jamie, how would you recommend any of our like listeners to go about starting their own pirate life and taking, empowering themselves? Um, yeah. Any advice that you have for other people that want to be more pirate? Yeah, um, there's a quote from the philosopher Gurdjieff, and it speaks of when it comes to freeing ourselves, you first have to understand that you're in prison. Okay, well, if I'm in prison, what am I in prison by, right? So my thoughts about myself, right? My thoughts about my who I am in the world, and my thoughts about what the world means to me. Am I safe? Am I loved? So when it comes to uh, taking the first steps of that is to realize that we all have self-learning beliefs, they're quite often the, the most common ones of I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable or what I do in life doesn't matter, so why bother? These different values that we can realize that we gave them away or they were taken away and we can regain them by re-empowering ourselves through that. So the first step is coming back to your breath and and asking yourself the question and, and earnestly and who am I? And remember, remember who you are versus discover or that someone outside of you can tell you who you are. Do you have any like thoughts or, or theories of why we give this power away or where are these limiting self self beliefs come from? I'll give my perspective of where I know I learned them. Mm. I know I learned them from advertisements. Mm. All advertisements are in projections. They're in you language. You got to buy this. But in order for you to buy this, we're made to feel inferior, hmm. right? You need to have wider teeth. You got to get the car. You got to do what, whatever it is, right? But we are made inferior. And because we feel inferior, we, we buy. Yet the consumerism culture is it's consuming itself at this point. So realizing that I, where I learned it from helped me to overcome it more because I can see that that is it you as an individual or you as an everybody or you rhetorical. Mm. So realizing that all advertising culture, I, that's where I learned it, was in or is in projection language. Mm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. hadn't considered that. That's really interesting because yeah, um, a lot of us growing up, the TV was on quite often, like watching cartoons or the news is on or whatever we're watching. Ads are, we're all over the place. And let's say for all of us, we were lived through the eighties. And so for me, um, the ads were like in movies, they're in your TV shows. So I'm telling you, yeah, you need to have this thing for your life to look like this movie or this TV show. You need this, this food, you need this product. And it was everywhere. The plight of Gen Xers. <laughs> when we had the, the TV was our babysitter. <laughs> We were told to come back home when the lights turned on, when the street mm. lights turned on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the other side. Go out and play. <laughs> we need more of that too. <laughs> and exactly. And that's something as as our generation knows the difference of what it was like to grow up without the internet and with the internet. It's up I feel it's more up to us to do something about it because we know what's at stake. Mm. Right. As far as um, true true freedom to be bored. Right. No one gets bored anymore. Mm-hmm. If you get bored, you pull out your phone mm-hmm. or, or and then you say nobody loves me. Right. Look, look at that, the, the ways that people are casting spells on themselves. Mm. Um, but also don't get bored anymore. So I'm going to go learn that song on the guitar that I always wanted to learn. Right. It's it's the, the things that have happened because of the attention economy where it's mm-hmm. constantly pulling at us to the point where um, forgive the joke in these plays on words. Right. So we we, we have such a a deficit, we're not able to pay attention. Paying attention has become expensive, right? To the point where people have this deficit, an attention deficit, but how do we pay attention? With interest, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you interested in, right? How does does that change that? Well, the the devices, realizing that they are a tool of ours, well, it looks like the roles are changing with the internet of things. Because the only thing that's connected to the internet of things are other things yeah that's such a good point like that with social media that feeling of no one loves me because i don't have that little notification dot saying hey 50 people liked your post or five people left you a message and that feeling of like that initial for one second like yes people are paying attention to me or oh they're not and yeah that's a really good point we've put our life into this handheld device where we can scroll and get immediate gratification. And so we keep coming back for it versus putting the phone aside and going and getting bored and kids nowadays too, like they, they come and say, I'm bored and they're handed a tablet to play on. So they're not learning boredom. Yeah. What do you, what do you see as the benefit of, of time spent in, with boredom like what is why are we why shouldn't we avoid it that's a lot of negation <laughs> <laughs> well it's more of we should promote um screen free time yeah because the screen rules everything right now and what we're noticing more and more is there's screen addiction which is stronger than any substance mm-hmm. because the micro dopamine release that happens with each scroll like comment or or, or or Candy Crush, whatever it is that people are doing, it's it provides a, a micro dopamine release within the body. So to the point where even on on Instagram, there's they call it throttling, where someone posts a new picture, 
and no comments, no, no nothing coming on. And then a throttle, like all at once it happens and just imagine the dopamine release mm-hmm. everyone loves me, everyone likes me, but it's that still that need for external validation, that feeling that I'm not good enough. So I need the world to tell me that I'm good enough by what I like, post, comment, share online. Right? That's coming back to why this is important for our generations because we, we weren't developed thinking that the online avatar is who I am. Mm-hmm. Right, younger kids are unable to make that distinction. Hmm. Interesting. And so, mm-hmm. how how do you use um, social media in a more and I'll use the the term mindful way? Realize that you curate everything. It is literally preaching to your own choir, right? You 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 choose everyone who's your on your friend list. You choose everything that's that's in your newsfeed. And that was something that I really like that Mike Bledsoe talked about was, you know, when he hears the term news feed, he thinks like a, a horse feed, right? Horse being forced into there with it strapped around their face, mm-hmm. right? And they can only eat that thing. So when someone says Instagram ruined my life or Facebook ruined my life, it's like, well, the way I participated created, because it, it literally, the algorithm is built to mirror back everything you do. Mm-hmm. You you s- slow down on your scroll. It gives you more of those things. Mm-hmm. If you like and comment on certain person's posts, it gives you more of that person. Same thing with whatever um, organizations, groups that you're you're a part of. It gives you more of those things that you interact with. So curate it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always found it um, interesting when when people say, "Oh, I'm, I need a break from social media because it's so negative." And I always thought, well, mine isn't negative. Mine is like puppies and fitness. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you totally are curating mm-hmm. um, what your experience is on social media. And it's interesting to see even my partner, you know, we both have TikTok and his is all food because um, he follows all the different chefs and mine is just like random funny shit, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> right? That is my like four minutes a day of like, you know, scrolling and having a laugh, um, but how different it can look for, for people. And, and when their experience is negative, I don't think most people have an understanding that that's from their own negative negativity that they're, that they're putting out there, that they're getting back at them. And I agree. And I would say that that power has been, they, they, they give away that power. And we learned at a young age that if I act like a good boy or a good girl, I get rewarded or I get punished if I don't, right? So at a young age, we learn to, to adapt to our environment to, to, in order to receive that, that feeling of being good enough. Mm-hmm. So with our kids, we inspire them to know that they are already whole. And with our uh, adults, uh, we look to regain the pieces that were given away. Yeah, we talked about that on one of our other episodes, really about the whole concept of being a pirate of, of, of making that rebellion or taking that rebellion. And why does that feel so good? Mm-hmm. And how we are conditioned as children to be the good girl, to be the good daughter, to be the good student, be the good everything. And now we get to take that power back and give ourselves permission mm-hmm. um, to make bad trouble to you know to be rebellious and to create our own lives and i think that is i mean not think i mean that is what drove 
of what attracted me to pirate living is to be able to break the shackles of the, you know, I was the good Catholic schoolgirl, well, you know, to break <laughs> free of that indoctrination <laughs> as you will, right? Um, so it's really powerful. And I love the fact that you both are focusing on like the young minds and starting them when they're young and, and, and can imagine the, the humans, the adults that those children will become um, when they can break free at a young, much younger age and not wait till they're in their forties. Like I did. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that is an brings me to another quote in the book, <laughs> Be More Pirate, where um, they talk about, we teach the children to live in the light. Like that's where it's safe, stay in the light. But really everything that is good and exciting about life lies on the other side in the darkness. Like again, at the edges of the map where the dragons are, um, that's where the exciting things happen. We've been trained to fit inside this box and you stay inside this box you're good you're a good child and the trouble the troubles where <laughs> creating that good troubles where it's at exactly that's why with with kids it's important that we celebrate when they they first learn to tell a lie mm -hmm. right because mm -hmm. otherwise they don't know that they're telling a lie to be honest with you they, they they think that they're using words in order to either escape punishment or get what they want right so they don't know that they're telling a lie. So celebrate when they tell a lie. Oh, good job. You just lied. Are you telling the truth? No. Okay. Good job. You lied. Now you know what it's like to lie. Right? Because it's interesting because humans are the only species that can lie. Right? Animals, if they don't like you, there's nothing you can do about it. Right? <laughs> they can't lie. Right? So humans, we learn this. We learn this trait in different ways. And, and so celebrate with kids, say, oh, good job. Now they know what it's like, mm. right? And, and if we did this more as adults, think of how much less BS there would be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so much less. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, we, you had mentioned when we asked, like, is there anything um, that you want our listeners to know about you? Anything that you have that you're looking forward to? Um, what yeah what things you have coming up that we can also help support you in yeah thank you um so the second sunday of each month for all 2021 i have been running somatic sundays which is a online live conscious creativity masterclass. so in the next one coming up is may 9th it's 11 a.m eastern standard and you can find details at consciousToolbox.org. the theme for this one is the process of thought transformation Basically, how to dive in, what it is to notice the thoughts, how, ways to change them, and then also what to do with the reintegration process. Very cool. I like about the, um, it, no, I froze for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I love the idea of the reintegration process. I think that's a step that's often missed. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, can I? Pause for one moment. Mm -hmm. Your patience, scene change. <laughs> so reintegration, right? Mm -hmm. With reintegration, um, this is understanding the process, the process of how we how we reflect and the ways to reflect. Because what we do regarding story work is different than journaling, yet journaling can be a very helpful tool. 
So when it comes to integration, it has to do with creating the mind movies and then using them to your advantage, right? To realize that I am the main character in the movie. I'm also the director, the producer, the editor, and the audience. Which role do I want to play? And then how do I want to play it? Interesting. What is the practical, like, how do you practically do that? Is it just making that choice um, each time for each thing that you're dealing with? Yes and no, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that sounds very daunting. Mm-hmm. And, and it is. So yes, new choices need to be made. Also, accepting where you're at, right? Because quite often we have the, it's a FOMO. I'm not there yet. I'm not good enough going back in in different ways, even in our healing process. Mm-hmm. So accepting where we're at and um, noticing, becoming the observer with your mind, right? So if you can see yourself from a third person position outside as if the, the camera's recording it, right? Being the witness of those things, seeing yourself thinking or observing everything that's going on. Oh, hey, that's what I look like when I'm angry. Wow. I have a funny face when I'm angry, don't I? Right? I'm, I'm only observing it. Did I still get angry? Yeah. Right? Can I can I work past it? Yeah. Much easier now because I, I'm able to, for me, make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that's what I, that, that's that's what I look like when I'm angry. Hilarious. <laughs> right? So becoming more aware. It, it's it, it begins and ends with that as far as how mindfulness works. It's 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 everything and nothing. It's very the, the exercises are very very simple, yet. To sustain them for a longer period of time, it becomes complex. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so, where can our listeners go to find out more about you or how to work with you, um, how to try some hypnotherapy? Where can people go to find you? You can find me at consciousToolbox.org. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Same name, Conscious Toolbox. Conscious Toolbox. I like that. That's a great mm-hmm. name. Awesome. Well, we have we have one more question for you before we're done. And that question is, do you know any good pirate jokes, Jamie? <laughs> I'm glad you asked because mine's a rhetorical one. And it's, it's it's all right. So my my grandfather was in the Navy and he would sing some old Navy songs. And so we would always joke with him because he would sing the song of uh, what do you do with a drunken sailor, right? You know, what do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor, right? So we would always joke with him because they know really what, what do you do with a drunken sailor because nobody knows. <laughs> Early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> do you throw him overboard? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Have them walk the plank, yeah. <laughs> that is great um, I really want to say thank you for, for hosting me on Pirate Living I appreciate both of you and the work that you do and, and what we're here to share yeah we loved having you thanks for coming mm-hmm. cool yeah. well uh, thanks everybody and thank you Jamie for, uh, for joining us this week and we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week thank you for listening to Pirate Living Podcast if you enjoyed listening to this episode make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcasts 
to keep up on the latest community news and find out about our coaching programs. And until next time, keep creating good trouble.